Welcome to V'ger, please. A hateful voyage to the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. I'm your co-host, Peter. If you're listening to this, you're most likely one of our lovely patrons. And we thank you so much for your ongoing support of our podcast and keeping the uh, server fees to a minimum out of pocket. Or and you got at some fortitude of patience. We <laughs> waited for us to put this out free so we could have an extra episode and get a weekend off. <laughs> Peter with the realness. But regardless, we thank you for coming along. And this is something special because as, as our usual pattern when it comes to our Patreon episodes, we did the, the review of the TNG porn parody. Still one of our finest pieces of work. Uh, we did a review of Galaxy Quest, which I think uh, is surprised to both of us and how much we enjoyed it. And now we are doing a full series review of Lower Decks. Uh, I forced marched my way through this this thing this week. I had started watching it and then just powered through the rest of it. I know that you did like a full rewatch, I think. Yeah, yeah. So I had watched uh, the first couple episodes weeks after they had come out. No, you know, I'm, I'm muddy. I think I watched the first one within a week or two after it came out. And then it took me a while. And then I I caught up and was watching it blow by blow for the last couple. And then uh, in preparation for this, I went through and did a full rewatch. I... I was cursing your name on Thursday a little bit because I was, you know, trying to grind through this thing and I wasn't really, it wasn't really clicking with me. It wasn't something I was deeply enjoying, uh, but it did grow on me, particularly the last episode was, I think, a real actual demonstration of the potential for a show like this. I think that a lot of it was it trying to figure out what the hell kind of show it is. And it took really the entire season for them to get there. And to be fair, I want to say this was what? Eight episodes long, right? Ten. It's ten. Ten half hour. I mean, 20, 24 minutes. So TV half hour. You know, to be fair, it took the Orville five or six episodes to really kind of figure itself out as well. Um, and going through and watching all of this over again was a very different experience because the first two, three episodes were for me rough right mariner is off the bat a very abrasive obnoxious character and i had a lot of resentment for her i couldn't really find any of the the major cast members that i i don't want to say identified with but found myself rooting for and then i don't know man i'd say it was like season one episode uh seven maybe much ado about bulmer yeah and that's, that's where it kind of turned around for me as well, dude. So that's the one where like uh, what's her face makes the dog. He gets caught in like the transporter accident. They're going to send him off to the Division 13 farm. And I'm just fucking laughing my ass off at it. Right. Like the jokes I feel like in that episode particularly sold me on the whole experience. And from that point forward, I really started taking a lot of uh, enjoyment out of the episodes and like you're saying, the last one in particular, it, it turned the whole thing around. And I'll tell you, on my second watch through, I didn't find the characters as abrasive as I did because I knew where they were going to end up. And I got a lot more enjoyment on my second watch through, particularly the, the first couple episodes. I think I can start where I, I feel about this by talking about something that's positive, And that is the care of the people who made it compared to the other present 
era Trek products. Um, the the producers on this and the the main the main writer and uh, showrunner were a different group of people than have been doing uh, Discovery and uh, are now doing Picard and moving into doing Strange New Worlds. Right, this was the guy who was a Rick and Morty writer who did the season eight TNG Twitter thing for a laugh, which right? was fucking gold. And so he is somebody who actually does like care about Trek. His name's Mike McMahon. And I you can you can kind of feel it in the small things. And those things do matter a lot to enjoying what you're watching. I think that the be- the funniest parts of the show are like the quick gags. Like that's that episode that you're talking about when they're when the Boimler has the goes to the farm and you have like all of the medical things that have gone wrong. <laughs> like there's there's a, a trans warp lizard person and there's, you know, somebody who got all fucked up by theta radiation in in the in the pike, you know, wheelchair. wheelchair like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like down the line is like all these other like in perfectly plausible Star Trek related like, horrific accidents. That's the sort of detail that works. Like even in the first episode, which was rough, like there's this great line where Mariner is like talking about the things that she's experienced. You know, like so I've you know I've seen shit. I I I got trapped for three weeks in a sentient cave. You ever been trapped in a dark place that knows things about you? <laughs> like you can see that episode. Like in that joke um so that is the the best part of the show is it's made by someone who gives a fuck about star trek and understands it and understands how to translate that into something that is funny so that works that part that works but i hated essentially all four main characters until the last episode like the last episode everyone got far more endearing you know, because they kind of paid off a lot of things that actually happened during the series unexpectedly. And I thought that really worked, particularly Mariner. I'm just too cool and I want to do, you know, the quote unquote right thing and fuck the Federation's rules. Chaotic like that, good. Yeah, can't, like that works to a point, but it just gets old. It would be one thing if it was something that she was doing quietly, you know, and trying to find ways to get away with it. And instead, it's just like out and proud, and she's just this abuse of her relationship with her mother that allows her to 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 do it. And it's just it, and Boimer's just annoying. There's very little opp- time when he's on screen where you just don't you know want him to just fucking die. He gets some good <laughs> quips in too. And again, being being the fan of the episodes or the the series, uh, you know, each of these guys kind of becomes an angle for jokes to come in from different directions and they're all like I said the deep cut jokes like Boilmer uh bringing in strict federation protocol I can't stand section 31 but the one where they end up on the uh the Klingon colony and he starts speed walking and she's giving him a hard time saying he's not walking any faster and he argues that he's maintaining uh he's maintaining uh, uh hydration better and that section 31 does this <laughs> you know it, it again i hate section 31 but i, I thought that was fucking hilarious um, there was a there was another gag where uh it was the episode where boimler's got like the girlfriend that's way out of his league yes and mariner's like convinced that it's got to be some and like she just has like the the pepe silva board of like all of the 
alien infiltrators from Trek's history could be. Like, like it's it's slew it's a Sulaban. It must be a Sulaban. Like, like yes, this is the kind of paranoia that would grip a, a Starfleet officer, particularly in a comedy. I get it. Like, and that's another great thing to like. A lot of the jokes that we've made, a lot of the the very clear. Now, there's the obvious jokes, like there's cum dumpsters in the holodeck that collect all the human filth and and waste and someone has to clean that out like yes holodeck janitors it's a joke that's been beaten to death but there's plenty of stuff like that um seeded through the episodes that the people who are fans that are there you know uh, rainy days and sunny days and memorized ship names and registries and timelines and all that other stuff stuff that berman era trek and again, I don't know what happened over in Deep Space Nine and how into the weeds they got with their own details. But, you know, for the people paying attention at home, uh, I think there's a lot of respect paid to that. I think we can both agree that the intro for the series is, pro- in my book, the best Star Trek intro in any franchise. It's, uh, it's art. <laughs> the use of the font. Yeah, the TNG font and the T and and a very nice orchestral, you know, arrangement and a with bunch of bad stuff happening to the core <laughs> ship that you kind of like. I particularly like the big monster sucking the warp nacelle as they're trying to fly away. Like, oh, they would, the best shot is them like rolling up to all the board cubes, fighting all yes. the Romulan warbirds, and then yes. just like, nope. Yes. <laughs> I. Where I skip Voyagers and, and Voyagers got a good intro, you know. I, I like Voyagers intro, but it just it gets old. That fucking thing, man. I watch that intro for lower decks every time just for the Dadera is fighting those cubes and it just yeah, like you said, showed up and been like, Yeah, fuck this, we out. I liked the like the bridge crew characters a lot more than I liked the main characters. Yeah. So you've you've got Beckett Mariner who's I think just too much. Uh, and they're just leaning in a little too hard with the, you know, my parents are Starfleet royalty thing. And so I get to just do clown. Blamer's too much of a just a, a kind of wet noodle. Uh, Tendi and Rutherford are too one note. Like there was probably a, diff- a way that you could have gone with them would have been interesting. And ultimately, like Tendi's a little interesting. Rutherford just isn't. He's he's just so he's a, he's a pastiche of every hyper competent engineer that like loves his job so much it's ridiculous. I get it. That's the joke, but that's his whole character, and it makes it uninteresting to watch. But the, all the bridge crew are cool. Captain Freeman is cool. I like free like I love the joke that Jack Freeman is constantly hyper masculine about everything, like Riker to a T. We were just. I like that. I like that the doc, the doctor is an angry cat, like the cat alien from the animated series. Her comment, it's the one where uh, they do the wrath of Khan, uh, her fighting her mom in the holodeck deal. Yeah, she the cat gets her face shoved into the nachos and she's bitching about. Do you know how hard it is to get nacho cheese out of fur in the Sonic shower? And I'm like, God, the the visual image of like trying to vibrate cheese out of hair, like, ugh. That's the cool thing about the show, too, is that you've got the 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 a plot stuff, which is uh, arguably the main characters, Boilmer and those guys, which I almost have to look at them along the same lines as you would view Sonny and Philadelphia characters. Right. They're just fundamentally flawed, fucked up and, and, and running around in circles. 
And then you've got the B plot stuff, which is the bridge crew. And that's a much more traditional Trek experience. And yeah, they're kind of caricatures of themselves, but it, it gives you comedy. And then if you're not really feeling the comedy and that's my problem, especially in the beginning was I wasn't finding it funny. There's still like legit fucking Trek going on in this thing. There is at times, like I will say that they, they try to like sprinkle that in, in every episode of like, there is a horrific Trek thing happening every time, but they don't dial it. They don't start to dial that part in until the seventh episode, the seventh episodes, like you said, it's the one with the farm. It's the one with where Tendi makes the dog and the dog is clearly a horrific uh, genetically engineered mutant and then it talks at the end and is super nice like uh, because Teddy doesn't know what a dog is because she's from Orion and she says that in dialogues so that joke works but uh, the the Trek episode that's happening with like the alien being born out of the uh, the ship yeah like that was just really Far cool and then, yeah and then they did a really good job because the episode after that I think was the one with like the trial that they were having had different pieces of this these events that occurred but no one knew exactly what happened um and then the last episode is actually i think mostly just a great track episode with a b comedy plot and that reminded me of a episode of the orville more than anything there's legit trek there's actually good effects there's stakes you care about what's going on it's obviously snappy and animated and over the top but uh, it's still dialed into being more a Trek episode than anything else. And that's, I like, I watch them like, damn, if this show was like this episode every week, I would actually actively love it. And hopefully they get the message. Like this is the, this is what worked was this kind of format of fun Trek. Cause at first they were trying too hard to be Rick and Morty. It was just like a fucking set. They wanted to be Rick and Morty, but with the edges filed off for the first like three or four episodes. And then they kind of dialed all that back and recalibrated and figured themselves out as no we don't have to try and force the edginess we can just be good we can just be funny you know so speaking to that last episode uh which i suppose we should have put a disclaimer in here at some point like if you haven't watched lower decks you should probably watch Lower Decks before you, <laughs> you know spoil all the good stuff when uh the security chief goes on a suicide run oh damn rutherford kind of saving the day the return of Badgie, which is oh. this perverted <laughs> version of Clippy from Microsoft Office. And it was voiced by the guy from uh, uh, 30 Rock. Yes. Uh, the page. Perfect voice. Yeah, he's great. And, and you know, again, for them to have self-reference to their own episodes and and big, powerful moments like, you know, this malicious murder bot AI software stuff that Voyager... <laughs> would need a gun to their head to do. Uh, so that suicide run was great and they blow up and they, you know, they get away and they took a loss. So it's like, okay, wow, it's over. And then more uh, ships showing up and they're like, Oh no. And when the fucking Titan just shows up and, <laughs> and light the shit, everyone <laughs> just shows up and guns the place down like seven to nine in engineering any given <laughs> Thursday. And I'm like, the first time I watched, I was like, fuck yes. Fuck yes. Look, Oh, the sound effects are so crisp, too. It's like, like, it is absolutely just blowing these boys up. So that's kind and of... That, the pa- and then it's the Packlets. Yes. I mean, like, that, ooh, the deepest of cuts. They just were finally successful in their fucking scam. And they call every Federation vessel Enterprise. Because they just don't understand. Yeah. They're just too stupid. I love that. 
Um, so that's that's the promise of the show. That's the potential of the show, right? And I never watched original series, animated series. Uh, uh, the the original series gag at the beginning of this episode that got the biggest laugh of the fucking season out of me because that's from the Return of the Archons. It's a season one TOS episode. I remember it. And the fact that, like, the whole gag at the start is that they just start worshipping that fucking computer again. Yeah. And no one checked up on them is such a just absolutely perfect gag. I'm like, oh, man, that is that that frames everything so nicely for uh, actually for for Mariner's attitude about things that the Federation just kind of lacks and doesn't give a fuck the way it probably should in a way that the rest of the show really fails to deliver on. And it's worth pointing out to the timeline on, and I think that's part of what endears me to it is it's so accessible to the Berman era, next generation DS nine. This show, uh, I believe takes place one year after nemesis. So it's well before Picard. Um, and you still, again, you're, it's, it's a federation that's very familiar, very accessible. Uh, you know, there's a different design language at play in some of the ships. You see that sovereign uh, Wolf 359 anti-Borg initiative, like angleized, uh, you know, hull design on some of the other ships. But uh, the Cerritos, which I can't remember what class vessel it is. I mean, California class, California, which is basically the Miranda slash Nebula, you know, saucer with um, nacelles mounted below. All, all of the the ships of the class are named after cities in California. It was, it was interesting. I really liked the design of the Parliament class, which I guess is the only other like OG class that was in the show. Yeah, very cool. And and that was a neat thing to. So so the promise of this. I didn't watch original. I don't know what the scale they were playing on is, but now you are in an animated series, right? The sky is the limit, and I understand when you're hokey syndicated 90s tv that you really need to rein it in on that special effects budget and that means putting people in garbage bag costumes and reusing the same cardassian hallway 50 times right right that means planet hell caves are the caves on every planet but when you're talking animation you could do big and you should be doing big and i think they do a nice job of approaching big uh events and kind of working this bureaucratic blue collar angle that really resonated well with me. Standout moments like, um, you know, you're talking about the parliament class. That's Cupid's arrow. Uh, and that was the one where there's a moon in a decaying orbit and it's going to fuck a bunch of stuff up in the solar system. So the Cerritos is working with. I forget what a much cooler ship, a right. much cooler like, ship, which is Vancouver. Yeah, Vancouver. Uh, and, the, uh, and I quote a parliament class that. Uh, focused on large scale, complex engineering projects. Like what a cool concept, you know, and that's something you would never really touch in your standard next gen um, type episode, this behind the, the scenes construction work where you need to erect a force field around a planetoid that's falling apart. So you can have a controlled uh, demolition like and the and the and the big gag in the episode is that the chief engineer is trying to get transferred to the Cerritos because he's tired of having to do epic shit all the time. Like we had to travel back in time and kill the guy who was worse than Hitler. It's like let that super... sink in. <laughs> it's, he's all super stressed out. Like 
you, they when they when they dial in the humor to like the trek shit like that it soup it really does work and it's cool too that you know there's people that have been out there doing these star trek ish jokes for so long but it's always had to be comedians or things where they're wearing red and blue shirts but they're not really starfleet insignias and all all the stuff that's been trek adjacent and to see it all actually be trek and starfleet and l cars and for them to be able to realize these jokes in-house uh was was just refreshing i genuinely enjoyed the animation style like I was concerned that the Rick and Mortyness of it might stick out, but I, I think it worked. And you take the characters out, all of the background sets, all of the ships, everything, you know, it's, it's legit good looking Trek. Like I, I was a big fan of the animation through it. So um, again, the, the scale of the stuff they're doing, like the, the moon destruction, uh, the one, the moist vessel where they found the generational terraforming ship, and it's just this boring mission of like, yeah, we got to tractor beam this thing and and get it to a safe point. And then, you know, petty workplace drama happens and the one guy breaks formation. And then you've got terraforming goo going up your uh, tractor beam and, and blowing an entire ship up like. Good times, man. To focus in, though, on on kind of the misses, those early episodes are pretty rough. Like the the comedy isn't as sharp. The comedy isn't as dialed in. The annoyingness of the main characters tends to dominate, and while I like like I mentioned, like the the the, the premiere does actually have a couple good gags in it, but like they spend like they, they have that extended shot of him being like milked by the spider, you know, they just kind of yeah. like hang on that for a while, like it's just not that funny. And then the the best gag is probably you know that there's this horrific virus that's shooting through the entire ship, and that you know Rutherford's on a date, you know, and they're like. He's getting getting off on figuring out like all the technical stuff, like mild, mild smile. They seem to be trying to sell the show to the people who funded it by trying to kind of do wild Rick and Morty stuff, kind of like over the top gore, you know, like over the top comedy. Um, and instead of it, it just came off as cringe. I and like also, the gore I, and I like the action. That fucking zombie outbreak was dope. <laughs> And the the episode that I really didn't like was the second one. The Mariner is like super good friends with the, the Klingon commander or whatever. And it's just like you just made you made Mariner too cool, man. Like you just you made her just the she made I, I hesitate to use the phrase Mary Sue because I know like that's the joke, right? That she's just, you know, Star Trek people are just like that all the time. So I don't want to like that's not quite it. But they you just make her so hyper competent that it makes her entire attitude seem just irritating, you know, as she, again, she was my biggest complaint. And you can go back and look at the Facebook posts I made on it. Like she ruined the entire series for me. And I'm telling you, going back and rewatching it, knowing where she ends up, like they do some really decent uh, character development work. Again, the, the holodeck adventure she goes on where she fights her mom and kind of figures out that really she hates herself into the last episode uh does a lot of good now i will say that that uh the klingon escort mission that ferengi gag was fucking choice (laughs) 
it's the Star Trek jokes that are funny because they're very, very well calibrated because they're calibrated by a guy who literally was making Star Trek jokes for years on his free time on his Twitter. Like he fucking knows what's funny about this shit. He knows what, what works and you can see that like throughout. What would you say? You know, we've we've summarized the show, I think, well over the this this part of the discussion. Right. OK, so starts out rough. Humor's not dialed into what's actually funny. Character main characters are all kind of bad. Right. Like all of them are none of them are actually the most, most interesting things that are happening. Um, but then as they get closer, as the as the episodes go on, they start to become a little bit more endearing. There's a there's some continuity that you start to appreciate. There's some development that makes them more endearing. And they get to the last episode and they're paying off stuff. And you're like, OK, I'm more invested in what's going on here. So and you get to the last episode. Riker shows up. Troy shows up. Titan shows up you know boimer gets promoted to the titan of course so like there's going to be some kind of thing that puts him back on the cerritos i'm sure but okay like we've we've we found what works with the show so what would you want season two to look like hmm you know it's it's what i say about um voyager and it's the slice of life stuff that i enjoy and again on my second watch through like the the lower decks what were they called the 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 lower deck solidarity right like Mm -hmm. this college dorm frat house vibe going on with these people who are living (laughs) in a hall there's one point where the dude's head is inside the replicator and he's chugging like mango paste or something (laughs) yep and just these flagrant abuses of this wonderful technology and like all this real crash shit you'd never see fly before and i'm like god this looks fucking awesome like being a grunt in starfleet (laughs) <laughs> fucking sign me up man it, it speaks it speaks to your frat boy in you man like, absolutely I, I, so that whole episode episode about the stupid frat brother i mean i mm-hmm. i thought you, you i didn't i'm a, i was kind of medium on it but i i, I figured that probably like you know guys like that <laughs> like absolutely. you you do absolutely i like seeing the big grandiose stuff again that would have required too big of a budget like the cool fringe sci-fi stuff planets falling apart and uh you know generational ships and just pushing into all those what ifs that would never get real screen time on a hero show i i don't know how to lay that out exactly but i think the path they were on just more more of the the trek less of the the shock humor i guess and uh, I don't know my f- what I want to see for season two is Kurtzman to stay the fuck away. And I think that was the strength here is that uh, he was busy with Discovery Picard and trying to get strange new worlds off the ground. And it gave this guy a chance to just kind of work in peace. And I think our fear was that if this was good and got attention, it was going to bring Kurtzman and you're going to start seeing some finger fucking going on. What about you? I mean, I, I echo the as long as Mike McMahon's making this like I think actually I will I will be interested in seeing what he does next. And, you know, if he's he's been invested in Trek and the doing the TNG season eight thing enough that I think like if he learns the right lessons from what worked here, like it could be good. I would love to see the, the slowly like the main characters become integrated and actually like rise up to positions of seniority and then over time graduate to run in the ship right because like the most interesting parts of of the last episode was like that they were the ones who were finally saving the day right like they finally were the lower decks people were the ones that were 
that were involved in the plot. <laughs> like That's a good point. That I think is why it was cool. It was, you know, you had them actually interacting more or less as equals with the senior officers. You know, you had Shax who was literally like barrel rolling with Rutherford through the through all the pack lip going on his suicide run, punching all of them with a smile on his face and and that sort of thing. And um it, at the end, like on the bridge, it was it was Mariner and, and uh Boimer who were, you know, in charge. That's I think the direction they need to go is that they all start to grow into their roles as Starfleet officers, that it's fun and funny and we get the, get the jokes and that's all good. And, you know, that's obviously going to be, you would assume Mariner's like story arc is that she finally matures. They tease that out from the seventh episode on. It's like, you know, her friend from the Academy who's already a captain, you know, and you know, she, she talks about why she like went off the straight and narrow. And what was your perception there as far as her friend went? that was currently a captain like was was that like a lover vibe no they were just friends i don't know man. there's a lot of hugging and like if what was happening there was that they were former lovers and that was kind of like what was scaring her was that maybe she didn't have feelings if there was some sexual relationship or emotional committed relationship element there i appreciate them not explicitly calling it to the forefront and making it the entire fucking point of the oh episode. yeah. If that was the subtext, like whatever, twenty fourth century is a freaky place. Like the, it's you know, cool. Like, it's there. It's awesome. Yeah. It's not the focus. And that, that, it's it. I, I took it entirely as platonic, but it, again, it just doesn't like they were close. Whatever they are, and you know, the point being is that Mariner probably should have been her, but wasn't, and. You know, you get the impression there's other things in her history that kind of let her like if there. what I was kind of hoping for was maybe a payoff semi serious, semi joking, but like of her like really seeing how shitty the Federation is and like that she wants to be out there helping people like that is what she wants to do. That is why she continues to be in Starfleet. It's not just to piss off her mom, but it is because she does believe in the mission and that's why she's there. But she knows that, you know, the the. The, the federation is deeply flawed and it needs people who are willing just to break their rules and not give a fuck about it and they start to like give you little hints of that you know like that a lot of her rule breaking activity on planets is literally like helping the little person yeah I, that's actually the more interesting thing about her but i would love for that arc to go towards her taking on the responsibility of leadership and ultimately succeeding her mama as the captain of the ship and like but keeping that edge the whole way and like forcing change through that. Here's what works for me with um, Mariner because she has, like you've pointed out this Mary Sue element where she is the fucking best at everything except for the things she chooses not to be good at. Right. And mm. the, 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 the story here is that she was a, uh, a prominent officer that was quickly raising through the ranks uh, until something happens and she makes a decision like, I don't want to be in charge. I don't want to be at the forefront. I want to take a big step back to the lower decks and have fun and be awesome at my job and have that flexibility and freedom to do whatever I want. I like that she represents this common sense element um, the, of, of an experienced person Someone who has seen a lot of Star Trek understands that shit's real fucked up and just says, you know what? I don't I don't I don't need this in my life and I'm just going to chill out where it's safe and happy. And that 
I like her little stories that she's able to draw on from like the front line, like um, Cupid's arrow, where she thinks that Boimer's girlfriend is a assault vampire or whatever. And yeah, or one of those one of those sexy people in the rompers are killing you for knocking <laughs> on the flowers. That was Angel One, right? You know, that episode yeah. comes up so much. I fucking love it. Um and then there's a flashback to whatever that Daedalus class science vessel was, and that fucking She's she's in a TOS. She's or rather she's in the, the first contact uniform and mm-hmm. has like the big hair. Yeah, it's clearly in the past, yeah. And then uh her best friend's boyfriend turns out to be a shapeshifter infiltrator and like rips her up and like just these traumatic experiences that we see all the time in trek right that Mm -hmm. actually have had an impact on her because she doesn't have the luxury of a voyager episodic uh ship in a bottle reset and and they've kind of shaped the person that she's turned into um i think if they were to follow along the line you're saying where the lower decks supplant the, the command structure and kind of become the new focus like that betrays the premise of the show itself, which is the lower decks, the people behind the people making the decisions and, and living in the glory. Um, so maybe if they were to do that, they would introduce a new class of lower deck. I don't think like, that's just it though. Like I, I think that it doesn't betray it. If you show them working their way up from being those people to being the people in charge. And that's just the end of the show. Mm. You know, like you, you show this transition, you show them slowly, like raising into these positions. You see them taking over those positions and maybe you do a second show. That's a spinoff. That's third further adventures and you rebrand it or something like that. I think the biggest pitfall the show could come into is being in falling into a rut. Right. It's just retreading the same fucking ground over and over and over again. It has these jokes are funny now. They're not going to be funny if you keep repeating them. Right. Like how many times can someone like, uh, you know, uh, Rutherford save the ship and just still be an ensign? You know, like you know, I know, like there's a joke to be made there for a while, but eventually it just gets old. So. I think you do want the characters to slowly like find themselves in positions where they're maybe they're not necessarily the lowest on the rungs, but they're like still dealing with bullshit, you know, and you, you pay it off. You pay it off spiritually, but you still allow things to change a little bit. Okay. So this is where I want to see the show go. I want this to be Orville, right? I want this to be a legitimate Trek experience uh, where they can do cool shit because it's, animated but you have this tng berman adjacent play space where i don't have a personal investment uh you know i don't feel picard hurt because these are characters i got a lot built into right and i didn't agree with the way that the writing went and the direction that they took the show and you know i i was stank about that because it it was a big part of what i loved this is still trek i like it the uniforms are a little different, but I understand the time period they're in. You know, this isn't far future discovery or or anything like that. Um, everything in there, it talks heavily of things that happen. And, you know, I think sometimes it's a little too machine gun um, trivia, like, oh, Kirk, this Picard, that Archer, this Cisco, that like, OK, I, I, I get it. Your your name drop and whatever. But. Um, you know, they're carving out this own, their own space, their own time period, again, even though it's right after Nemesis. Uh, but 
you know, it's you do whatever you want. You're not stepping on my toes here. So uh, it takes a lot of invest bad investment, I would say, out of the show and, and gives them a lot more liberty to do what they want. But but I want this to be some humor, but mostly good sci-fi and just okay, you're going to run out of jokes, like you said, like how many times can you make a scrape the come off the holodeck floor joke? <laughs> once. That's just it. Like, you, you you can hit some of these things once, maybe a little bit, hit it a little bit differently twice. But um, how many times can you replicate a next-gen episode? And I think the answer there is, is you can, you can pump that fucking... Uh, button as many times as you want and spit out as many voyager ish or or next gen ish or whatever type episodes and just just give me a fucking star trek plot man you know there was uh one of these and i have to go through and and look oh the 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 pilot right that's the one where uh the first officer gets bit by a fly and goes back in through the ship and the virus follows him and it gets through the pattern buffer and then they have a zombie outbreak basically and in the end um some spider venom that was on the surface gets up in the ship and they say hey we can synthesize a 30 seconds worth of on-screen stuff and you've used these well-established plot points that you've seen dozens of time and trek to, like legos and the pieces just all fit together there and you're like you've brought you bring up an excellent point that every Star Trek plot within Lower Decks is infinitely better explained and constructed than the majority of what we have watched in Voyager. I would I'd like in a half hour and half the time, the Star Trek plot portions of these episodes work better on a coherent basis of setup, understanding what's happening, thing happens and and payoff. Without gaping plot holes, which is the most impressive yeah. part to me, which is which shows you how easy it is to do this if you give a fuck and how like and if you're paying attention to what you're doing, like it puts Voyager's failures in a real fucking perspective because it's not like they didn't have the same body of work to look back at. It's not like they were like trying to like, you know, they were making the mold in real time like the mold had been made for them and they just managed to kick themselves in the dick over and over and over again <laughs> rather than do what this guy just apparently did it over a long weekend you know like yeah. just p- power these scripts out <laughs> so you know i you can tell some pretty cool star trek stories with this format and you know if they had to drift away from the the lol humor but it means getting solid trek out of the deal like that's that's a good trade i'll take that all day so overall i think i give lower decks it starts out at c minus improves i think to a, the last episode really like bumps it up to solid b the last episode is actually probably one of the better trek things i've seen in the last 20 years so you know i don't want to grading on a curve it's amazing but uh, stacked up against uh you know solid episodes solid entries of actual berman era trek shows it's, it, it holds up and it's funny so um fucking I hilarious. Say, again i, I want to shout yeah. episode seven that much ado about boimer like the dog, the dog are hilarious the fucking transporter stuff though killed me like the boimer he he transports out and then he he you know they they transport him back in but it stops at the end like 
and the fact the sound keeps up the end of the transporting and he tries to sneak onto the bridge and everybody's just looking at him like what the fuck is wrong with you and they like rutherford comes in and he figures out how to get rid of the sound yeah which <laughs> is all like, anybody cares about i like, like when they, oh that was the most annoying annoying part the doctor's like we've con- i've already contacted division 14 they're coming he's like oh, the time travel police <laughs> and just like the for for the the lower decks guys and they're like yeah there are time travel police and section 31 and this and that and there's scary parts of starfleet out there uh like this division 13 which shows up in the uss osler which is the fucking dopest ship i've seen since the sovereign like i i i I did love the joke about the 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 boat to the funny to the farm yes (laughs) and the the guy is just like naturally sinister but super nice and like uh next time i will get better lighting so it does not seem as if it is so dreary inside yeah i mean they they hit the tropes so well like uh when the oh what was the the parliament class that they were doing the like Vancouver, the Vancouver and the guy's trying to transfer off. And he's like, oh, I know the admiral. He was uh, neighbors with my grandma. Real sweet guy until you find out like what his nefarious plan is like. I'm going to do it and you can't stop me. Uh, I've got an admiral on my side and he's fucking crazy. That's like, yeah, man, <laughs> this is legit Trek. This is legit ass Trek. And you um, you mentioned, of course, like as long as they keep fucking Alex Kurtzman away from it, I feel feel like that's increases their chances of success because boy, what a difference. It, like it, what a change of pace it was to see something that felt like Star Trek. Something you know, that felt even, loved. Yeah. It felt loved. It really did. It did feel loved. That is an excellent way to describe it. Felt like someone even, in, even when it didn't work, someone fucking cared. Yeah, I, that's what kept me in, invested. Was aside from obviously like congratulately obligated to do this episode with you on Saturday night, but it's what kept me invested. Is like, and someone really fucking cares about this. Like people who doing that, like who did this, gave a shit. Oh, in that episode, the seventh episode, that had Jennifer Hale as the voice actress. I don't know if you noticed female shepherd she was the vulcan Ooh. and and the dog nice <laughs> yeah. nice uh i will say going through because i i took notes you know not like voyager grade notes but there's like you know a couple lines for each of these the fucking the disses and the zingers in this man when she when uh mariner is like doubting that his girlfriend's real she's like um you know when we meet your girlfriend will it oddly have to be on the holodeck, I was like, holodeck. oh damn <laughs> He's, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> Which, again, legit, and that's that's stuff that uh, they touch on heavily with um, Orville that I liked. Or uh, Tendy being Tendy being mad over the uh, the um, racial stereotyping of Orions as pirates, yes, and slavers. Very good. The Starbase eighty dis when they're like, you know, you take your bad attitude and you know take that to Starbase. Her is like, oh damn. Oh. Star- without explaining what starbase 80 actually was and it's like this is this is the kind of stuff i'm here for like that's the quick humor that i can take a lot of and uh yeah keep keep that stuff accessible to just pad out the uh the episode here a little bit let's let's do some general talk about trek as it stands i think uh strange new worlds is starting to film now they they keep talking about filming the second season of Picard. I don't know if it's started. Uh, they finished Discovery season three. That's out now. Um, I know you have 
you have completely given up on discovery. I don't know if Casey watched any of it because I know she was more into it. I would say that there was some promise at times and, and then it just completely. Did failed. you watch the whole thing? I did not watch every minute of it, but I kept up. Uh, I kept up on it and watched parts of it because it started to get a little interesting when they like found the future future federation and they had this entirely new kind of premise. After that, though, they just they just went right back, like just a little bit of promising went right back to all the bullshit you hated, like unearned emotion all the time. I hate uh, what's her face. Ensign uh, uh, Tilly. Ensign Tilly's like the most annoying character in the history of Star Trek right next to Michael Burnham. And they're like, you know, the Yas Queen slaying their way through the whole fucking show. Just like, just get me off this ride. Um, they Whoa, completely hold they, on. I'd, I'd like to submit for your consideration. Rafi Picard is so bad. It's on a different level. Like Picard is insulting. Discovery is just, a, it's just a failure. <laughs> Like, Picard hurt me. <laughs> Discovery can't hurt me. Discovery never was able to hurt me. I've never enjoyed Discovery, and I've never invested myself. Picard in found out life. where your family lives. Yeah, Picard. Picard found a way into my heart, and then gave it AIDS. Like it's 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 not good. Rat. God. Yeah, Raffy, you forgot man. about her. I did. Why did you just do that? Because every time I close my eyes, I see her. <laughs> haunts me they're making strange new worlds which is supposed to be the pike show it's supposed to be like the early enterprise show with with spock and number one and pike right like do you care so there's like a part of me that wants to care there's a part of me who thinks that would be rad like pike was the best part of season two yeah he, he made that the, show watchable but that's the part of me that's like just be happy with a what if in your head and and don't act don't, show up don't hurt can... yourself yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, like I feel like uh, like a dog with a shock collar. Like, I, man, you go over there, you're going to get fucking zapped. Like, I think that Lower Decks represents the best on brand Trek that we are going to see or ha- have the chance to see for a while. Yeah, until until the Kurtzman's finally off the project for whatever reason, whenever that is. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon, honestly. Yes. No, I don't see him failing up anywhere, which is the only way he'd be off it. You know, that's the sad fact of the matter. It's how Hollywood works. And yeah, but it's it's sad because I really actually do still have a part of me who's like, man, I just want this to be good, man. Like even after how much it's hurt me, if like all of a sudden Strange New Worlds was just actually great Star Trek, I would I'd watch it a fucking second. No hesitation. I love this. I love this fucking shit that much, you know? Fair. And and I think ultimately when they do start putting those out, despite whatever I'm saying right now, I'll be there to watch a couple episodes too. But it's uh, it's hard for there to be all this stuff out there and just, nah, no, pass, pass. Now, luckily, I've got the advantage that, you know, there's a lot of really good 90s stuff I never watched, and that's all new to me. But we'll wrap it up there. Thanks again to our patrons for coming along on this ride with us. These special episodes are for you, and we we enjoy doing them uh, to, to show our appreciation. And we'll see you at the next one. <laughs>